Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting Pro Video Coalition podcast. And today we are going to dive into the weird and wonderful sometimes world of live streaming, which is really the talk of the town for a lot of people right now when we're all stuck uh, here in COVID-19 quarantine. Uh, I have with me Alan Tepper, who is a regular contributor to Pro Video Coalition. We've got Gary Adcock, who uh, you've heard many times on the podcast. And we've dragged in Steve Holfish, who you probably know from his very uh, well-regarded podcast, uh, articles and book, Out of the Cut. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for coming on. Glad Thanks for you. Oh, that was, uh, that was quite the chorus. That's good. Um, so we're talking about live streaming. Now, it's funny because I've had the conversation probably a dozen times over the last two or three years. And I remember, I remember at one point saying, it's 2018. You'd think we'd have this thing figured out by now. And I feel like I can still say it's 2020. You'd think we'd have this thing figured out by now. Uh, it, it's amazing how unsimple uh, live streaming is, because it's not like terrestrial broadcast that we're used to, where you just pump out one signal and you blast it with a lot of voltage into the airwaves. Uh, there's a lot more to it, because we're talking about thousands or millions of discrete uh, signals being sent to individual places. Uh, so it's it's not a trivial thing by any means. And so, uh, you know, we're probably not going to get too much into the to the back end mechanics, but uh, there are multiple offerings and it's not by any means a simple uh, thing well, where- that's, a, that's evident on the nightly news. I mean, we're, we're, Damien, we're, we see it every day where you know, you've got the newscaster on there and they're in the studio with a proper lighting and a, and a full camera set up and you got somebody on location in their house um, and they've got, you know, their phones stuck up under their nose and they're looking down into it and, you know, and the lighting's bad and everything else. We're seeing all the issues that we've had to deal with as production professionals for years, you know, live on the air every day now because people haven't thought about the fact of how difficult or how time consuming it is to properly do these, you know, location live streams, you know, and we found out again, one more time that it, without good audio, it's bad television. And, and we find this over and over again. And now we're in a situation where we're all trying to be, do be, you know, broadcast professionals from our basements. So, yes, community cable stations all over again, kind of thing. So Alan, <laughs> you've been at this for a long time, right? You, this is, this is a significant part of the world you live in. Uh, yes, I, I imagine. I've been doing white papers about it. And I have uh, installed multi-camera studios in Mexico City and in Miami, and I've done uh, similar things for audio only in Canada. And so do you think, you know, just just touching on this kind of infrastructure side, do you think there's any magical way of predicting how well the network's going to be performed, uh, going to perform once people go live with things? Uh, are we still in a place where, if you get a surprise audience that's too big, you basically uh, crash the system or, or uh, at least throttle it. I mean, or do we, are we at a place where we can kind of guarantee some kind of level of quality of service? Well, that's the reason why we use a CDN, because you're never going to have enough bandwidth from where you're doing the remote uh, broadcast or stream uh, to, to hit a high 
quantity of, of viewers. So you have to go from wherever you are to some CDN, and then they have to be capable of getting, let's say, thousands of viewers simultaneously. CDN standing for Content Distribution Network, is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some that are free and others that you pay for, and you, you get different uh, services from different ones. Some of them are part of social networks, and some of them are, are designed to be isolated and strictly on your own website, let's say. Did you uh, want to drop in there, Gary? Well, see, and Alan brings up a good point because content delivery networks, these CDNs that he was referring to, allow you to um, take a single feed up from your source and distribute it across multiple platforms. This is how we get content delivered to a wide variety of people across Facebook, across YouTube, and everything else, is by using these aggregate delivery systems. And, you know, they're Google Cloud, they're Akamai, they're companies like that, which are some of the big names, but it's also little companies like core and some of the other ones cloud flare and, and some other ones that actually allow this content to be distributed very very efficiently in the marketplace all right um now steve's on steve you actually kind of were right in the middle of integrating this into a new studio build out for client uh when COVID hit and obviously um that's kind of complicated things but uh, what was your experience just in building? Was there a kind of a major learning curve for you? Because I think this is one of the first times you really had to build something at that level that that has this uh, live streaming capability. Uh, what what were you finding were the kind of biggest hurdles to kind of really deploying this properly? Well, one of the things that we thought of uh, initially that was lucky for us because we when we designed it, we didn't think of the current situation we're in, but we wanted to have uh, the use of something similar to um, NewTek's talk show product, which is also built into their NewTek TriCaster, which allows right. you to receive Skype calls. So basically, you know, when you're watching a TV broadcast and you see somebody Skype in, instead of having it be like it, back in the old days, it was a satellite truck that had to go park in front of the guy's house to be able to get that feed. Now we're doing it through Skype. We uh, chose, uh, we were thinking of various um, products. We were thinking Black Magic and the ATEMs and all that stuff, but we really wanted the Skype capability. And when it came down to buying a couple of Skype units and Black Magic, or whether we could get it all integrated, we went with this product called the TC1, which has two Skype channels built into it. And it's great now because literally we could do the entire podcast without anybody actually being in the studio because we can take these multiple feeds in and, um, from anywhere we want. And, and one of the things I'd like to talk about at some point, I want to give everybody else a chance, but to get back to what Gary was saying is we've just seen horrible video yeah. on some of the national majors watching Skype calls and, and somebody's got the, the, the their laptop on the desk tilted up and you're looking at their nose hairs and you're looking at their ceiling and you're listening to some crappy, you know, uh, Mac Pro built-in microphone. It's so easy to fix those kind of things. And we did think of all that ahead of time, getting uh, these little remote kits out to our clients so that they're lit properly and that they sound good. And also, uh, I did a long time ago for New Tech uh, an entire series on how to make a good Skype call, being cognizant of where you're placing your 
you know, webcam, how high it is, what direction it's facing, that you don't have a light or you don't have a, a window behind you, all those kind of things, and uh, and making sure you've got good audio. You know, it's interesting. Um, the uh, f- the guys at Film Tools were talking about current needs during COVID. Uh, Film Tools is a, a part of the Pro Video Coalition family uh, that sells film equipment, filmtools.com, a little plug there. Uh, but what they were saying is the bigger issue really for them wasn't so much the live streaming tech as it was just showing people how to do basic lighting and production setup. And uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, everyone's been seeing that, you know, it, it because even on YouTube, people are getting a little bit more sophisticated in maybe not understanding what production quality is and what isn't, but it's amazing how quickly people uh, will get turned off something that doesn't have at least a decent basic lighting to it. And uh, we're seeing that everywhere. We can blame all of those YouTube and Instagram makeup videos for that. Um, (laughs) That's the reason why we have to look at this stuff and it has to be lit properly. Because the women and men who do the makeup tutorials have done just a phenomenal job of using ring lights to define things. And, And they've set a new standard that that some of the news people have forgotten about. Yeah. I mean, they're waving their phones around to get audio and now they're trying to use the same phone for video and it doesn't quite work the same way without some light and and and, and an audio connection on it. I think one of the biggest things we need to talk about is audio because this is such a a fundamental point of how a lot of these broadcasts are failing is because, you know, they're using Bluetooth earbuds that are dying or, you know, they're, they're using the, the on-camera microphone in their laptop that's faced towards them and you can get the fan sound and, and worst of all, it's facing up towards the room. So anytime the heat kicks on, you're getting that sound too. And you need to think about those kinds of things. And audio is one of those big faults in all of this. I mean, you can find a window to set in front of, but you don't always forget to use the right microphone. Yeah, it's that's very true. I mean, it's it just the simplicity of of a lav mic, or even just making sure it's things are pointing the right way. You, you know, it is amazing <laughs> how many people are just completely missing it. You know what? Let's let's actually go through and uh, so we have several options here from the ATEM kind of hardware solutions through to a, a bunch of uh, either software only solutions or uh, software and hardware hybrid kind of solutions. So let's let's start on the on the kind of full hardware side if you will. I mean, maybe that's not the right right term, but um, now I don't know if you guys can clear this one up for me. It seems like the Blackmagic uh, was it a pure coincidence that they released the newest round of ATEM stuff uh, or did they step things up from what would have been NAB announcements because of COVID? Does someone know the answer to that? Uh, I I don't, but it was logical that they were going moving in that direction, knowing how live streaming and everything has become so popular, and how much the ATEM Mini has become a fundamental in multi-camera shoots for for you know YouTube streaming and all of that. It was a logical production progression to be able to put you know hardware streaming in it and some effects because we were going that way. So, Alan, you, I agree. You, yeah, you've just yeah. reviewed uh, these uh, the new unit. Is that right? No, what I just reviewed is Ecamm oh. Live, which is a piece of oh, software okay. for Mac OS. Okay, so let's let's stick on. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, so, does someone want to give the uh, the listenership uh, a breakdown of what an ATEM is and what it does and what it looks like? Go for it, Alan. 
no problem. I just want to clarify before I start rattling off what they do. Uh, there's a whole family of ATEM that goes you know, up to several thousand dollars. But right. I think what we're concentrating right now are the ATEM Mini and ATEM Mini Pro, which is the one that was just announced a few days ago. All right. Well, I mean, you can talk to all of them, but, uh, you know, obviously those are the ones that for a lot of people are in the right uh, price point. And, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I'll talk first about what they have in common. They all, all of the, of the mini types, which are well under $1,000, they have four HDMI inputs and they can work either uh, basically standalone or with when connected to a computer, they can do other things. They can be rem remotely controlled and graphics can be inserted on the fly and things like that with linear keyers. And uh, so that's, that's basically what's common into both of them. Oh, and they also do some audio manipulation when connected to a computer so it can do limiting and compressing. Uh, in, in order to maintain levels that are constant in case people change in their volume or move away from a microphone and then get closer again or something like that. Uh, but what has been added to the new Pro version uh, is one thing that a lot of people asked for, which is a true multi-view output. So you could connect a monitor and see all four sources and program and preview on a monitor so that it has a, a dedicated multi-view output. It has a built-in streaming encoder. So if you use that, then you no longer have to have your computer be juggling so many different things because it's very demanding on the computer to do everything that you're doing to do graphics and audio controlling and things like that. And in addition to that, also be encoding the stream to go out. So that's something that I have covered for a long time. And I'm glad to see that Blackmagic has added it to the mm. ATEM Mini Pro. Uh, but even years ago when I wrote uh, white papers for, for NewTek, I always, in the white papers, talked about the possibility, even though all TriCasters have software-based encoders, what the benefits are of having an external one. So I'm glad to see that Blackmagic added that. And the other two important features that they added to the Pro, ATEM Mini Pro, is a recorder so you can record locally to external drives, whether they be USB thumb drives or, or actual uh, spinning drives or SSDs, and a buffer cache. The buffer cache is important because if for some reason during a live broadcast something happens with the Internet's signal, and they didn't say the exact amount, and I have a feeling they didn't say the, the amount of, let's say, seconds or minutes, it probably has to do with the temporal resolution and spatial resolution. But it basically it covers you. So if you have a glitch in the internet for at least for a few seconds, I'm estimating, then it will maintain the rest going out once the, the internet connects again. Mm. Uh, and uh, 
that together with the update that they did to the pocket cinema cameras is really wild because they can control and this this applies even to the non-pro they can control the cameras from the switcher they can use davinci-esque software to help balance the camera at that position and if you choose to even though both the ATEM Mini and the ATM Pro are 1080p, you can have those cameras recording RAW 4K and even with the same time code. So that means that you could be streaming live at 1080p or, or lower if you needed to, but you can have uh, synchronized 4K uh, 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 HDR, and then you can you can uh, edit and 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 upload later a 4K version if you choose to. So it's just an amazing combination what they've done. Wow. So the cameras are basically working as ISO decks for themselves, which then you load into an NLE. Yes, and right. it's it's not that you have to, but you have the option, and I think it's great that you have the option, and that from the computer you're actually sending. Uh, and from the switcher, you're sending so that they're all recording with the same time code. Now, is, the, is that multi-view output uh, Ultra HD, or is that scaled down to 1080? Do you know? I don't I think know it's, for sure. Well, it, I think it, it's... The stream, uh, the stream would be 1080. The stream would be 1080. The, the stream, yes. But you were asking about the multi-view? Yes. The, the multi-view, I read in the manual that it had to be a minimum of 1366 uh, wide, but I, I don't know if it's, it, if I, I, I'm sure it would work if you connect it to a 1080p monitor. But right. that's basically a preview sure. situation. Yeah, curious. Um, so here's, here's the question probably none of you will know the answer to. But uh, let's say someone listening goes, this is fantastic. Thanks for making us all look bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't yet. Uh, so you, uh, you say, hey... Uh, that's fantastic. I want to get one of these new ATEMs. Are they? Can you actually get your hands on them, or in the middle of the COVID crisis, or are these uh, the typical kind of? Well, probably in six months we'll have enough production models that you can get one. Do 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 we know what the, the inventory? The original is like? Mini has been in back order for a long time. That doesn't mean that nobody has them. People do have them, yeah. and that's why so many people are reviewing them. Even non not people that are not professional reviewers are reviewing them. Uh, the Pro, the, the, when I looked, it was already available, but I'm not sure if it still is. Okay, and what that are the was, price I, points on those again? It's well under a thousand. I'm sorry, I don't remember the That's exact right. price, it's but okay. it's well under a thousand dollars. Actually, it's I think it's, it's six hundred. Four ninety-five for the Pro, and four ninety-five for the original ATEM. A10 Mini. So it's only $100 more than the original one with a large number of added features into it for that you know, short increase in the price. And so. does these things also have switching consoles that you can buy separately? Yes. They do. Not, 
no, not 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 for the little one. But you can when you interface okay. it with the computer. You get you get you get a, more a software switch yeah. kind of thing, right? Well, and and to go back on what they were talking about in the Alan was talking about on the cameras. This is a really big deal to be able to with black magic cameras be able to color shade, you know, control the cameras electronically in that environment. Because look at the places where we're talking about this at. These are used extensively for you know broadcasting of uh, in houses of worship for small communities for education and we're giving that segment of the market even more tools stuff that would be you know prerequisite on high-end switching systems for broadcast trucks are now available for you know small independent users and right. and we're talking about house of worship and that kind of stuff some of these places are really small and it's a one or two man operation to be able to control all those cameras and be able to do it consistently is a pretty big deal for a small production facility. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So, um, uh, also just to interrupt yeah, real quickly, please. I hopped on while you guys were talking, I hopped on Amazon and on BNH. BNH says that it's available by the end of the month and Amazon says that there are sellers now. Oh, yeah, and I, I, I didn't think it's shipping yet. I, I didn't think it was shipping until, uh, the 15th. I thought was the date I'd heard, but I, I might be wrong. So, yeah, we'll have to. I'll have to check in uh, with Film Tools stock and see where they're at as well. Um, but uh, definitely something worth looking at if people are um, are you know thinking of how the heck are we going to kind of continue what we're doing, but do it online. Um, you know, it seems like if you didn't, if if you had managed to get some Zoom stock, I imagine I don't know if Zoom's publicly traded. I guess it is, but uh, that. See, everywhere I turn, consumers and uh, corporates alike seem to be jumping on Zoom, even more than GoToMeeting, which obviously has been a, a long-time mainstay of the corporate world. Uh, have you guys uh, had much experience with Zoom? I have been paying attention to a lot of you know people in the film industry, uh, not necessarily for production stuff, but just like taking pitch meetings and all that stuff. Yeah. And everybody in Hollywood seems to be on Zoom. I think everyone's, I think the whole planet's on Zoom, it seems like. I mean, every meeting I get well, invited. Well, we're on yeah. Skype. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we're on Skype, but... Uh, which is know. which is the other one that steals all your data. So, and, yeah. and we can't say this without mentioning that there are some serious concerns about okay. how Zoom was working, particularly on iOS and on Mac OS in particular, where it actually bypassed the installer instructions um, and, and inserted its own private code as a bypass on the launch, um, which is, was not exactly kosher the way Apple, you know, wanted it, yeah. but they allowed it anyways. They've come back and said this, this is now the second time this company has been called out for violating Apple privacy restrictions on their software once for iOS and now for Mac OS. So there are some concerns about it. Um, I, I actually run zoom through Safari, um, on my laptop, which is the only way I'll do it, so that I'm not installing the Zoom app, and I limit how much data that Safari gives out to other applications. Right. So there's there's ways around it if you just understand it. So let's let's talk about uh, kind of the ecosystem here. If uh, if you want to stick just with webcams, uh, you can actually kind of go with the software only solution, right? We could use Zoom. You can use GoToMeeting, uh, Google Hangouts, um, and then we get kind of up beyond the basic kind of consumer solutions to things like Wirecast uh, Pro and Ecamm Live that 
do all of this, but really still probably rely on some kind of hardware card to get the video streams into the computer, right? Right. Um, so, uh, Alan, you've finished off your, uh, or you've just done a review of the uh, Ecamm Live system. Tell me a little bit about that, because I'm completely unfamiliar with it. Okay. Ecamm Live is for Mac OS only. Uh, and although it was originally sold outright, now it's only available as a subscription. Uh, although it's very inexpensive, it's either 15 or $20 a month, uh, depending on if you get the pro version or not. And it can work from anything from webcams, including the built-in ones or the Logitech ones, to HDMI or even SDI cameras, depending on the interface that you connect to the Mac to make it work. In addition to all of that, it also works with the NDI protocol, which is a protocol which is free from Nutec. And I've covered that for a couple of years since it first came out. And uh, one of the ways that people use that, of course, you could get a a, a PTZ, a pan tilt zoom that has NDI, uh, or, but some people just use an app on an iPhone or an Android phone, and they broadcast an NDI signal via the local network to the Mac that's running Ecamm Live. So then you can have either wired or wireless cameras, because uh, as of, as of a few years ago even iPhones can be connected via Ethernet. So if you want to have more reliability than Wi-Fi, you could actually do it all with with Ethernet if you chose to. Although the clients that I have uh, who have used it so far, just because of the location of the cameras, some of them were outside on a balcony uh, they were using for a live signal to do for the background of a chroma key because in the, in the internal studio they wanted to chroma, chroma key over the, the live image of, of the, the bay uh, wow. here in Miami, Florida. Uh, so in that particular one that I did here in Miami, Florida, we have five cameras feeding Ecamm Live of which two are wired and connected via HDMI through converters that go to the Mac, and the other three are all wireless. So it's extremely uh, flexible, but on top of all of that, you can also have remote guests via Skype. And the way that it connects to Skype is also through NDI. So even though uh, Nutec isn't selling any TriCaster here, there's, there's some Nutec technology being used. And uh, really, I mean, NewTek is definitely one of the pioneers here, we should mention. Uh, and I have to confess, I've been, I, I guess I haven't kind of been up to date with their tech for a few years. Um, and, and it's that TC1 that you were talking about, Steve, that is a TriCaster, is that right? Yeah, that's a TriCaster, and um, it just has the, it's probably way more power than we originally felt like we needed. Yeah. But it has the two channels of of a talk show or Skype built into it, which is great. And uh, the other thing that we discovered is really uh, good is we have three big screen monitors in the studio. And because the TC1 has four MEs, mix effects banks, um, we can assign each one of the mix effects banks to a different in-studio monitor, and from the TC1, we can actually key stuff, switch um, switch inputs into the monitors from 
from the tricast uh, from the tricaster. Wow. Uh, now oh, the oh. we should we should say that the tricasters are uh, higher on the price range, right? I don't know what their range is, but they're they're, they're much higher yeah. than what we've discussed so far. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's pretty well, high at it's costly, more costly than some of the other solutions, but it also had the talk show built into it, which is the uh, tipping point for us. Well, and, and, and you, I mean, there's solutions from other providers. I mean, Teradek makes the Vidu products and Vidu Pro products would start right. in the $400, $500 range that you plug your HDMI or other device in and it can actually stream out. Um, you know, we've used on set for a few years the Surf Pro technology where you're connecting it to a camera and it's actually, you know, your, your local casting um, MP4 files and H.264 conversion files locally on set. Well, what people didn't realize is you can actually, you know, send that out over a network. So the technology that we've been using on set to, you know, take over and reduce production monitors and simplify stuff for the crews is now being advanced to, I can take that Surf Pro feed and send it out via, you know, Mac or, Mac or Android software, and I can have it streamed locally on my network. I can put, they have a Cube product, which is designed for more broadcast-centric situations where we can do that. So there's there's a lot of different solutions out there for onesie, twosie kinds of delivery for people who need to get out on the internet with higher-end cameras than what they have on their phones. And that's one of the other parts of this too, is, is that we have to think about the middle range and the developmental costs and, and the yeah. other people in the middle that have products that are usable for this. And it's not just the broadcasters and the freeware, it's the mainstream tools that those of us on middle use on a day-by-day -day basis to make this stuff work. Right. Yes, and Gary. And by the way, the, the system that I set up in Mexico City used Teradek hardware and software. The Teradek oh, yeah. uh, would go from either HDMI to SDI to the either Ethernet or the Wi-Fi. And then we used actually uh, Teradek switcher software in an iPad Pro in Mexico yeah. City. Lights, and it took multiple solo, yeah. cameras. Wow. Yeah, that's the great thing about it is, is that there's a lot of solutions now um, from middle and, uh, you know, middle and low end solutions that combine a hardware piece of technology with an iPad or a tablet display for switching and controlling. And the Live Solo software, which is, I, I believe, what Alan was referring to from the Teradek stuff, actually has a lot of the interface capabilities that people think about now. You know, it allows you to do a DVE. It allows you to do a transition. You can put a graphic on. It's it, it, the the software has been has become so easy that it's available across a wider range of products, and that's part of what we really need to focus on here. Is that it's not just the high end and doing it every which way. It's that this technology has is seeping across our sets already, and now it's just been forced on us. But that doesn't mean it's something new. We've been working this way for a while, and all of us here have been going more and more towards you know location-based delivery and, and wireless sets for a while now. Yeah. So um, it's just the way the market's going. So I should I should mention in there, uh, you know, Wirecast, Wirecast Pro, obviously a venerable uh, part of the market. I think the Pro... Yes, from Telestream. Sells, yeah. sells for around 800 bucks, so 799 I think it is. The Pro version. Yes, and there's a uh, $600 version as well. And that, again, allows you to bring local sources in, but also allows you to have, I think it's up to seven remote guests interfacing in right. uh, at the same time. So 
bear in mind that you still need to find some way to bring the local sources in. And so um, you'll either get some kind of black magic or AJA board, or is that is that a situation where you could still use the ATEM and work with Wirecast there Pro? There are people who use the ATEM Mini even before the Pro came out as a front end for Ecamm. Okay. Yes. So uh, obviously the same would be true for Wirecast. So that, uh, you know, what might be a good there option. There are pros and cons to that. Okay. Because if you do it that way, then you remove the capability of Ecamm for automatically switching the lower third when you switch cameras. So then you have to sort of delegate the lower thirds to the ATEM Mini or ATEM okay. Mini Pro and then have the Ecamm Live do the rest of the graphics and perhaps the connection with the people who are remotely connected via Skype. So you're losing so you some of the simplicity combine them. there. Right. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if people end up doing a system where they use, uh, let's say, one ATEM Mini as the front end, and then they would use Ecamm Live, and then they would use yet another ATEM Mini Pro just as an encoder. I can I can foresee those things happening. Well, let's uh, let's talk about. CDNs for a minute. Um, what 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 are your experiences with them? Uh, you know, Alan, uh, what's your kind of preference today? Is there is it depend on the project or is there a particular? No, I'm going to answer you, but I want to qualify what we mean by CDN. Sure. Because uh, there are some services like Facebook Live and YouTube Live which are CDNs in the sense that they take a, a signal and then they r redistribute it in multiple resolutions so that the device automatically receives the appropriate resolution. And then there are what you might call pre-CDNs. So if you wanted, for example, to broadcast live on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live and you didn't have enough bandwidth from the location for from where you're broadcasting, then you can use what you might call a pre-CDN. And the three companies that I know that offer that are Core, which is a division of Teradec. In fact, their their website is core.teradec.com. And the other two are Restream.io and Switchboard Live. So if people want to do that, and I'm not saying that it's a good idea or not, they need to be careful because the TOS or the Terms of Service of Facebook Live says that you must not do that. Uh -huh. And the legal workaround that people have done, specifically I know they've done it with Core, which is from Teradec, is that they offer you the capability of having a unique graphic on one and not the other. And that is kind of like a loophole to get around the Facebook Live. Because it's a Live. unique feed. Right. Exactly. Correct. Interesting. Now, Interesting. every time I brought that up to clients, they just say, I'm just going to make it simple and they choose one or the other. But I always explain that to them so right. that they know what their options are. Now, I've also dealt with other clients who said, I don't want to be on any social networks at all. I just want to be on my own website. And that was years ago before Vimeo bought what, what was called Livestream.com. And at that time, it was much more expensive. Uh, after, after both YouTube and Facebook started to offer free services, they had to cut their prices a lot. But way back then, they were paying about $1,600 a month. And nowadays, 
unlimited. I, the last time I looked was 900 a year. So it's 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 come down a lot, but it's still a lot more than free. So you have to make yeah. a decision depending on where you want to be and whether you want to be exclusively on your own website or not. There are two more of those streaming services that um, I've either used or looked at. Um, and both of them are fairly expensive, or, or maybe as Alan points out, maybe they're not quite so expensive anymore. Um, but Brightcast um, uh, is, uh, um, not Brightcast, I'm sorry, Brightcove. Brightcove is one of them. And uh, I did use that for quite a while also just to get stuff to YouTube or Vimeo. They would do not just streaming, but um, delivery of content. Uh, that also allowed you to have custom JPEGs and would do overlays of, um, you know, so that you could click on things and jump people to websites from directly from your video, stuff like that. So Brightcove had all that, also had a lot of uh, ability to um, do analytics on your videos. So we were with Brightcove for a while. And then the other one is Lightcast. And Lightcast is a service that we looked at. We didn't buy uh, that service yet. But the other thing that those guys do is they um, they set up for you Roku channels and other uh, you know YouTube channels, all that kind of stuff. So they'll do all of the the kind of hard work of setting those things up and then also streaming to them in addition to all that. And all you have to do is provide the content. So um, Brightcove hmm. and Lightcast are the two uh, other ones that I know of. Well, and you can see from all of this, Damien, that, that there's so much involved in all of this. Whereas, you know, if you want to work on a corporate level with security or you want to work on a local level with just a small business or you're going to be delivering as, you know, as, as a local municipal entity or a house of worship, there's lots of different ways to acquire and deliver this content for streaming. And as it goes forward, it's just going to get easier and easier. And I think that's the part we need to talk about because, I mean, there's a lot of acronyms on all of this. And, and, and some of the connectivity can be frightfully painful at times if you have to go through the IP addressing and fight, you know, individual protocols and proxy networks and everything else. It can be a pain in the butt. But the, the best part about this is, is that more and more people get into it, it's going to get simpler and simpler. It's going to become easier for the everyday Joe to be able to do this. And that's what the best part about all of this is. We may be stuck here right now, but sooner or later, we're going to get out. And we're going to start doing things. And this is going to change the way a lot of people can and will work. And it's really going to help all of us learn to be better production professionals. So... Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, certainly Facebook Live has made it ridiculously easy for people to stream. I mean, you you press a button and it's pretty much you're live to whoever happens to come to your Facebook page. Um, or so, Instagram or Twitter. And I mean, it's on all of them or yeah, TikTok. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. literally all of the streaming platforms are doing this now. So they're giving us the impetus to be able to deliver in this manner. We just need to take hold of it and deliver proper, great content rather than what we have been. Yeah. You know what? I uh, I feel like I need to touch on one more thing before we wrap, uh, just because it comes up over and over again, and that's OBS, which I've personally never gone near. Um, I believe it's an open source package for this, right? And OBS and, is? Uh, is it someone want to tell me? Is it open broadcast something or? I thought it was. I've always thought of it as, as open broadcast stream. OK, I so. think that is it. Um, yeah. 
but it's it's a, I've got it up here. Open broadcaster software. Now I can actually I, uh, Googling helps. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people claim this is an amazing thing and it kind of does what these uh, things like Wirecast Pro and Ecamm Live do. It's kind of a Swiss army knife. To me, here's here's my take on broadcast. And it sounds like all of us have been in broadcast for some part of our careers. I've probably spent more time on the feature film side of things where real-time uh, delivery is not quite so critical. But I am scared of anything that's not bulletproof for live. And it feels like uh, <laughs> relying on an open source software system for live broadcast, and that just terrifies me. So I didn't know if any of you guys have had any experience with it, but I, I do know anytime you kind of open chat to this, they'll, it's almost, it's like the same people that love Linux or love Blender for 3D. They're, they're going to, oh, no, you should be using OBS. And it's like, um, I think I'd rather go with something that uh, comes in one piece. I don't know. Any any thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you 100%, Damien. Uh, you know, anybody who's ever been on that situation where you're watching the count, the clock count down literally for a Super Bowl commercial and you get to the point and you hit it literally half a frame before it starts and you're, you know, and all of a sudden all the releases there. If you don't understand what it's like to work in live, don't work with something that's not proven in live. Just don't. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Alan, have you had any experience with that thing or um, you just shied away like me? I have shied away not only because of the reasons that you just said, but also because I have heard from colleagues that it's unreliable. And right. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm saying it. I'm just saying that I've heard it and I'm repeating what I heard. So that's why I have leaned toward these other options. And and I, I, I just tell you, as, as someone, you know, I am a developer and TCP IP, any kind of socket programming is one of the hardest things to nail down. You, you can test it. And it can all be perfect. And as soon as you try to deploy anything, things just break so quickly. Well, and, and, and that's uh, because it's it's it, it, it's a socket on your end. It doesn't know where the hell it's going to go on the other end and all the other things it has to pass through. And, and there's all kinds that, of threading issues. And it's, yeah, it's not pretty. People don't think, think about all of this. It's like, you know, we're doing this now from, you know, Locally in Chicago, Steve and I are basically here on the same network. You're in L.A., Alan's in, in Miami, and, and we're doing all this in real time, but all of that's got to go through multiple different servers and multiple different hops and, you know, in locations and over fiber and, and wire and everything else to be able to be in sync. And, and we should and add that we're, we're all recording on our local machines just in case because we know better, right? Right, right. Because we, yes, we, we burned ourselves. Yeah, we, <laughs> we burned, we, we've had that all happen before. All of us have. Yeah. But that's what we do because that's that's what we've learned over the history of this. And and not using proven software. Well, you know, if you if you nail it down and you leave the versioning and and you follow the rules that we talk about forever for in post, you don't update your editing system before you start a big project. And you certainly don't do it in the middle of one. You know, there's simple rules to follow. But if you've got it nailed down, you can use any kind of software, but just don't expect to get help. And that's actually one of the biggest problems that I saw with 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 their software in any open source solution is there's nobody to call when you're in an emergency. There's nobody to get a hold of when you're trying to go on air and something's wrong. And and with the solutions we've talked about, there's enough diversity in our industry to be able to find a resource or someone that you've worked with or somebody who knows somebody who can help you get on the air and stay on the air so that your project doesn't fail. 
And that's a big part of this too. It's yeah. just the redundancy that we're, we apply to the rest of our life needs to be handled in the same manner. Well, uh, I think we've covered a lot. Does anyone uh, have anything else they want to add that we haven't talked about? No, we've done it justice. Um, I should mention there's, there's only that, one thing that I'm going to add. Yes, please. When you use something like Ecamm Live, and 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 by the way, this is only if you're you're allowing the Mac to be the encoder. Then, if you choose to, you can have people who type in comments live on a social network. They actually come up and uh, basically like with Chiron quality, they come up with their their icon or their avatar from the cool. social network and their comments and it just looks super high end and you can even set it so that it, it after a certain amount of seconds it goes away so that the the often the operator and the and the presenter is the same person so they can just sort of comment about it and then they can let their mind go and talk about other things and it'll go away by itself but that's that's a unique feature that I have not seen the, that capability when you use a hardware-only solution. So there, there are pros and cons of, to all of those things, and people should consider whether that's important or not, because depending on the, the show, that may or may not be important. Yeah, so you definitely, uh, you know, we've mentioned a bunch of things. Well, hopefully they'll be in the show notes, but you definitely want to go do a little bit of research and actually figure out which one of these because uh, I don't think anything apart from, you know, the uh, potentially dangerous open source OBS, uh, I don't think anything we've mentioned is a bad product. I think um, these are all good options. Uh, it's just a matter of finding that one that fits what you want to do. And I think also just be aware of what a turnkey solution looks like, because don't expect to go get something like Ecamm Live and Wirecast Pro and not spend some money on some hardware interfacing as well. So you need you do need to know what your total package is going to look like. Um, but I think to Alan's point, uh, these things do have very different features, and one of them could be that magic feature that you want to use for your show. Uh, and in that case, that's the system for you. Yes, and the most recent systems that I've used, I've uh, recommended and the clients have purchased the Roadcaster Pro from road because it has basically even though they don't call it that it, it because of the fact that it has the capability of gating on each input it in 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 essence it becomes an auto mix so that way you know even if you do the best uh, audio uh, treatment that you can we always have an uh, issue of multiple microphones and one voice goes into the other person's microphone. So it attenuates the microphone of the person who is not oh, speaking. That's great. Yeah. And uh, it works very, very well together with, with any of the things that we've been discussing. Awesome. Um, and the only other thing I would add is, please, if you're going to go and do any kind of live stream, do a dry run the day before and even maybe <laughs> a couple of hours before. Because yeah. uh, that is the worst possible thing, thinking you're going to show up 10 minutes before live. And uh, I actually experienced that just recently. I did a YouTube live stream, and the first, even though I thought I'd muted all the right things, I still got uh, a feedback loop on uh, one of the computers that was monitoring. And you just those things, you just never know. So you really do have to take some time to prep. Um, 
if you if you want to have any kind of shred of professionality to what you're doing professionalism yeah. i think professionalism. yes and our is, listeners yeah. should also read our respective reviews on all the things that we've been discussed i have reviewed some of these things and i know that other people from pro video coalition have reviewed some of these other things yeah so of course check out the articles um any closing comments no, I, I'm definitely planning relatively soon to do something to help people think about improving Skype and Zoom and, you know, broadcast Skype calls because they're just horrible. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, I think uh, just, you know, even even checking out the stuff we have on movieola.com on basic lighting setup, if you've never done any lighting, uh, it makes a massive difference. Uh, and And to Gary's point earlier, uh, just even learning a little bit about audio uh, and how to place mics and things um, takes you from zero to maybe not superhero, but hero, you know, pretty quickly. <laughs> it certainly helps. Yeah. All right. I think we've uh, waffled on long enough. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, feel free to uh, check out all the articles on ProVideoCoalition.com, uh, training on Moviola.com. And buy some of the stuff on filmtools.com. And uh, we'll uh, see you uh, next time we come in. And hopefully soon enough, uh, we'll all be back running around the neighborhood with cameras on our shoulders. I'll uh, see you guys later. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Great to talk to you guys. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye.